Our reading tonight is taken from Exodus chapter 2, verses 11 to 24. 25, sorry, I know I'd missed that. <clears throat> so we read, One day after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were and watched them at, the hard la- at their hard labour. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. Glancing this way and that, and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. The next day he went out and saw two Hebrews fighting. He asked the one in the wrong, Why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? The man said, Who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, What I did must have become known. When Pharaoh heard of this, he tried to kill Moses, but Moses Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian, where he sat down by a well. Now a priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came to draw water and fill the troughs to water their father's flock. Some shepherds came along and drove them away, but Moses got up and came to their rescue and watered their flock. When the girls returned to rule their father, he asked them, Why have you returned so early today? They answered, An Egyptian rescued us from the shepherds. He even drew water for us and watered the flock. And where is he, he asked his daughters. Why did you leave him? Invite him to have something to eat. Moses agreed to stay with the man who gave his daughter Zipporah to Moses in marriage. Zipporah gave birth to a son, and Moses named him Gershom, saying, I have become an alien in a foreign land. During that long period, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out, and their cry for help, because of their slavery, went up to God. God heard their groaning, and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. Amen. Moses. Congratulations! It's a boy! Fantastic news! Zipporah is doing fine. What name are you going to give him? What are you going to call him? Have you decided yet? Gershom. That's an unusual name. Is that a family name? Uh, Why Gershom? Well, Moses says, I'm calling him Gershom because I'm a ger. I'm a foreigner. And I'm living in a strange land. This isn't where I belong. This isn't where I want to be. Ah. I see. So much emotional baggage bundled up in a baby's name. Can't have been easy for Rubel to have had that conversation with his son-in-law. They'd made this man welcome in their family home. It had been a delight to see the love growing between him and Zipporah, and Reuel certainly felt that Moses was a good match for one of his seven daughters. After all this time, steady job, a home of his own, a loving wife, and now a baby boy, Reuel might have hoped that this stranger from Egypt who turned up on their doorstep years before 
might have begun to settle down, to feel as if he belonged, to feel that this was a place that he could call home. But no, it was apparent that wasn't the case at all. And why why give your firstborn son a name that every time you see him, every time you talk to him, every time he's mentioned, is going to make that point again. I'm an alien. I'm living in a strange land. I don't belong here. It was as if Moses was determined to resist putting down roots in Midian at all costs. And when you trace it back, you can see why the poor man seemed to be in the grip of an almost perpetual identity crisis. His childhood was, to say the least, complicated. Those opening weeks of his life, when his parents were under so much pressure to conceal his existence, the stress that there would have been at that crucial time in his life. A three-month-old baby whose every cry had had to be stifled. Had he perhaps been mildly traumatised by his experience of being left crying in a sealed basket by the banks of the River Nile for who knows how long? For the first three years of his life nursed by his mother and then given away to be brought up in Pharaoh's court as Pharaoh's daughter, as Pharaoh's son. I did that this morning as well. Brought up in Pharaoh's court by Pharaoh's daughter as Pharaoh's daughter's son. The extent of his mother's influence upon him is apparent that he knew he was an Israelite, he knew he was a Hebrew, he knew he didn't belong with the Egyptians. To be sure, he would have had the best education and upbringing that money could buy, and he would have wanted for nothing. But like the character Saru in the film Lion, there would have been something in him that stopped him just settling down and enjoying his good fortune and privilege. He couldn't do it, because he knew he wasn't one of them. He knew he didn't belong to the Egyptians. He knew he was a Hebrew. And he couldn't just look to the future and leave the past behind him, because deep down he knew where his origins lay, and he couldn't escape them. And so it was that when he ventured out one day as an adult to visit his own people unaccompanied, he was appalled when he saw an Egyptian beating an Israelite man. And the conflict within it was huge. Brought up as an Egyptian with all the status and privilege of being Pharaoh's daughter's son. And to see one of the people to whom he belonged treating the one of the people from whom he had come so badly. Nurture and nature clashing in him as he saw the conflict before his own eyes. And maybe in that moment he knew he could never accept an Egyptian identity if that was how they treated the nation to whom his natural parents belonged. And in a moment, he committed a crime that changed his identity forever. Supposing that he was unobserved, he killed the Egyptian taskmaster. He committed murder. In his mind, I guess that was like crossing a boundary 
establishing where his true allegiance lay. Actually, my allegiance is not with Egypt, with these oppressors, with the people I was brought up amongst. My allegiance lies with the Israelites, the oppressed people, the people of my birth. These are the people to whom I belong. In his mind, he'd crossed over. He'd taken an irrevocable step. So you can imagine how confused he is when the following day he goes to two of his own people who are fighting and and steps in and says, "Why, why are you doing this to each other? Who do you think you are? They say to him. What right have you got to be involved here? Who appointed you as our judge and ruler? You killed that Egyptian yesterday. You're going to kill me now too? So he goes to the people he knew in his heart he belonged to and they, they reject him. They resent him. They refuse to have any part in his involvement in their lives. And if Moses thought that standing up for one of his own meant that his own would accept and welcome him and recognise him as one of them, nothing was further from the truth. In their eyes, well, he was an anomaly. If they knew he had Israelite blood in him, they still looked on him as an Egyptian. He didn't belong to them as far as they were concerned. And to make matters worse... When Pharaoh found out what Moses had done, he didn't belong there either. He was now a man with a price on his head. His own people rejected him, the Egyptians were out to get him. And so his only option was to run for it and start a new life somewhere else. So he reaches Midian. He's welcomed into a loving home. Starts a new job gets married, raises a family. And all the time, that unfinished business from the past haunted him. Didn't let him go. Didn't let him alone. Who was he, really? Yes, married to Zipporah. Yes, father of Gershom. But all that baggage from the past... Zipporah and her sisters had taken him for an an Egyptian when they first met him. That's where he'd come from, but he knew that wasn't who he really was. He was an Israelite, and yet his own people had rejected him as well. And so even now, after all these years in a happy home, he still doesn't belong. This isn't where he needs to be. This isn't who he needs to be. I'm a foreigner living in a strange land. There is nowhere that I can call home. The Lebanese-born French writer Amin Malouf has written a book called In the Name of Identity. He writes, Each individual's identity is made up of a number of elements, and these are clearly not restricted to the particular set down in official records. Of course, for the great majority, these factors include allegiance to a religious tradition, to a nationality, sometimes two, to a profession, an institution, or a particular social media. But the list is much longer than that. It's virtually unlimited. Not all these allegiances are equally strong, at least at any given moment, but none is entirely insignificant either. All are components of personality. We might almost call them genes of the soul, so long as we remember that most of them are not innate. 
Where did Moses' allegiances lie in that state of confusion? Who was he? Our identities develop over time. The sense of who we are is shaped and moulded by the wide range of different allegiances that each of us develops as our lives unfold. That's what makes us such complicated characters. That's what makes each and every one of us unique. And I love Marlow's description of these allegiances as genes of the soul. For Moses, his allegiance to his birth nation was something he could never let go. It was part of who he was. He would have been a much happier person if he'd just been able to switch that off. Forget it. Leave it behind him. Start a new life. But he couldn't. And actually, that was because this sense of allegiance to a people who didn't really accept him would prove to be a vital component in Moses' makeup as he led a recalcitrant and reluctant nation out of Egypt and across the desert on the long road of freedom. Because they were his people and they fought him every step of the way. It was really tough. It was really hard. And it would be great to be able to stand here and say, Moses encountered God and that sorted him out. That solved all his problems. He came to a place of peace. But actually, that sense of being unsettled, of belonging to a people who didn't want him, he needed that to do the job God was calling him to do. That sense of allegiance to the Israelites was like an unsettling thorn in his side all those years in Midian, giving him no rest. And it was all part of God's process of shaping and fashioning and moulding him into the kind of person he needed to be to lead these people to freedom. Because of his upbringing, because of all those conflicts in, in his identity, Moses was uniquely qualified to do the task God was calling him to do. Please don't mistake me. I'm not saying that God deliberately puts people through trauma just so they can be useful to him later on. But what we do see with Moses is how God redeemed and used a man whose traumatic past left him with a massive identity conflict and was able to turn those very things that troubled him so much to great good. And God does that with us. The mess that lies in our past, our brokenness, our troubled history, in God's hands, all of that gets redeemed and turned to good. And it's not all mended. It's not all sorted. We don't suddenly become perfect people. The scars of that stay with us and sometimes they haunt us for the rest of our lives. I firmly believe that God is in charge of who I am. And I believe that for each and every one of us. 
Yet at the same time for each and every one of us, our identities are shaped and moulded throughout our lives by a combination of genetic and social factors that are completely outside of our control. And many of those factors are not good ones because we live in a broken and sinful world. And because we live in a broken and sinful world, we are all, to a greater or lesser extent, warped and damaged people. That doesn't mean that we aren't fearfully and wonderfully made, because we most certainly are. But what it does mean is that when we know that we belong to God, we can trust him with those damaged and broken and hurting and twisted bits of our lives. And he welcomes us with all that history, takes us on board, brings us to a greater sense of acceptance, certainly, but equally redeems that past and works to turn it to good. Moses in Midian was a man with a stack of problems. A psychologist would have had a field day and made a handsome profit out of taking on his case. All those broken and damaged bits, that sense of being rootless, that sense of rejection, that real identity crisis, all that bundle of emotions, yet he was a man who belonged to God. And for Moses, discovering an allegiance to God would enable him to make all those other conflicting allegiances within him fit into a more coherent whole, so that eventually he found a sense of purpose and his destiny. Growing out of all that troubled past and who he was and the mess he'd become, God took him and used him in a way that God would never have been able to do had Moses not been through that. Because God redeems and uses broken and damage people in his purposes. Who am I? Where am I going? What am I going to do with my life? Those are scary questions to ask, however old you are. And they're particularly scary questions to ask if you have no idea of the answers. But remember this. Whatever your history, whatever you've been through, whatever lies in your past, God is in charge of the process of shaping and moulding your identity. And he knows what he's about, even if there are times when you can't see it. And whatever our history might be, putting our lives in God's hands means that he can make something good and worthwhile out of us for the future. As David said, using even a murderer to be one of the greatest men of God the world has ever known. The Lord is your creator. The Lord is your redeemer. You can trust him with your life. Let's pray.
Lord, hold on to us. Times when our confidence evaporates and we don't know who we are. Those times when we feel as if we don't belong. When we feel such a mess we can say, we can see no good in our lives and wonder how you could possibly use us. Hold on to us. Thank you that every life has value and purpose in your hands. Thank you for the way which, by your grace, you turn things that are damaging and hurtful and work to bring good out of them. Where we need healing, pour your love into our hearts. Where we need forgiving, grant us your forgiveness. Where we need to forgive others, bring us by your grace closer to the point where we can begin to do so. Where we find it difficult to accept ourselves, May we find acceptance in the knowledge that we belong to you and you accept us. And Lord, take our lives with our messed up past, with our present uncertainties and with our fear of the future. Take us. Keep us. Use us for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. As ever, the prayer team and others are available for prayer after the service, should you wish to talk to someone before you go. But we close our service by singing together 156 as a prayer. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Search me and try me, Master, today. Thou art the potter, I am the clay. Let's stand and sing.
share together in the words of the grace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore.